Welcome to Living Catholic. I'm David Anders from the Department of Education and Lifelong Formation from the Diocese of Birmingham. And with me today is Father John McDonald, pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Anniston, Alabama. Father, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well, David. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. You know, I appreciate your being here. I told my wife this morning, she said, what are you going to do at work today? I said, well, I've got to do a podcast with Father John McDonald. And she said, lucky you. And oh. I, said, <laughs> I said, why is that, Jill? And she said, well, because I would rather listen to Father John talk than anybody else in the diocese. He has the most beautiful voice. Well, you tell her that's sweet of her. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, so thank you. Well, <laughs> you use it very beautifully. So thank you for being You're with welcome. us. It's a pleasure. So here's what we're talking about today. Um, you know, this has been an unusual year for Catholic life and ministry, to be sure. And uh, uh, one of the strangest things for many Catholics is that bishops throughout the world, many of them, have, have dispensed the faithful from their Sunday obligation. Mm-hmm. And so many fewer people are going to Mass, and, uh, and maybe they don't know what to do with themselves on the Lord's Day. And in the absence of a Sunday obligation, they may think, well, do I even, do I even have an obligation right, to do anything? Or can I just mm-hmm. go to the beach or play soccer or whatever? So our own bishop has called for a year of the parish sure. and the Eucharist to underscore the centrality of this day and this time in the life of Christians, even when we don't have an obligation. So we thought we might start the series by talking about the Lord's Day. What is Sunday? Why is it so special? So, Father John, what can you tell us? What is Sunday, and why is it so special? Sunday. Well, you know, Sunday is this day, sacred to our Lord, the day of His resurrection. And so it's a joyful day, you know. And, um, you know, at the beginning of this COVID pandemic, You know, we're fortunate in Aniston because our church has a big, beautiful bell tower. And it's full of real bells. And it peels the Angelus uh, every day. And at noon, it's it's one of the times for the Angelus. And so when we were closed down, you know, that time in March that was so strange and nobody, nobody knew what was going on. You know, I just asked my people on Sunday if they wouldn't just come in their cars to the parking lot for the Angelus to ring at the church. You know, you, you remember that old picture that's so famous, it's in so many people's kitchens of the, the church, the bell tower so way in the distance, mm-hmm. and you have the farmers out there in the field, and they're praying because they can hear the angelus ring. That's right. They're not at church because they're out working in the field, but they hear the angelus, and they remember the mystery of the incarnation and everything that we celebrate in the liturgy, that prayer of the angelus, you know. And I was amazed. I was overwhelmed at the beginning. My whole parking lot filled up. Everybody came and heard the Angelus. And then an enterprising parishioner brought me one of those little small radio stations. It like goes out 200 yards or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And so then I was able to do my little homily, little tiny homily, little fervorino there and just tell people, remember God and remember Jesus and, and all will be well. And I was overwhelmed at how people came. So this day, though we sometimes feel like many people are not faithful to the Sunday, you know, at the same time, there are many people who know that this is an important thing, and to give people the way to, to keep the Sabbath. You know, the commandment tells us to rem- keep the Sabbath day. You know, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And in Spanish, it's sanctificar las fiestas. Yes. To make this feast day holy, you know. So people, I think, really just need to be taught and helped how to do that. 
So you you raise an interesting question. You reference the commandment to remember the Sabbath day. Now, a lot of times when we think of the Sabbath, we think of the Mosaic law and the people of Israel and the seventh day of the week. So how is the Christian feast of Sunday related to the seven-day week of Jewish celebration? And then how does that get translated into the next day of the week. And we can talk about how we should number that, yeah, right? Yeah. In in the Christian era. How does that work? Well of course, you know, the Sabbath for the Hebrew people is still the Sabbath. Right. Isn't nothing changed there. That's right. However, our Lord in his goodness and mercy, he rose from the dead on the next day. Exactly. He rose on the day after that. And, of course, the Sabbath day is the seventh day. It's the, the last day of the week. So Sunday becomes the first. So this is the first fruits yes. we offer God of our week, of our time, of our lives. And so to spend time with Him is like to bring the first fruits into the temple. You know, this is the way I always conceive of it. We give Him not the last day of our week, but the first. And, you know, you can always tell when you have a holy calendar or an unholy calendar on your wall because uh, unholy calendars, they start with Monday. <laughs> and a holy calendar starts with Sunday. I love it's it. funny, you know, because you get so many of those calendars from people mail you calendars That's right. all the time. You throw in the trash every calendar that starts the week with Monday. That's right. And you keep the calendar that starts with Sunday. That's right. So we have to start the right way and worship. And so the act of worship for the Christian has to do with the new life that God has given us through the passion, death, and resurrection of His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, came into this world to bring us new life, an eternal life. So does that, does that seem to Yeah, happen? it does. Now, you know, when, when God gave the Sabbath commandment, we read about it in... Well, in the anticipation, of course, in the book mm -hmm. of Genesis, when God rested from his work, and that becomes a model for the people of God, and it recalls God's work in the creation. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you've suggested this already, but when we celebrate Sunday, do we just look backwards to the first creation, or do we also look forwards in some respect? And I think you already began to mention that, yeah. but you want, can you reflect a little bit on the connection between... God's creative act at the beginning, and then what he creates anew in us. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I liken it. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a romantic example, but it's a lot like falling in love, you know. Um, when you meet that other person for the first time, and you kind of attract it, and you want to know that person better, you know, you kind of realize that something new has started. Mm-hmm. And you look forward to it. And the way that you respond to that new relationship is you want to spend more time with that person. Because as you spend more time, you know that the relationship can deepen. Because if you don't spend time, that new relationship is just going to remain stagnant. It's not going to really go anywhere. It's not going to, it doesn't have that potential anymore. And it's the same way with God's initiative with us. He is in love with his people which is a Eucharistic image, mm -hmm. because he manifests his union with his people, the bride and the bridegroom, at the nuptial feast, which is the Mass. He makes that love plain to us, and everything, and he wants this relationship to flourish. 
So he wants to spend time with us, and we want to spend time with him. So our Sunday is this day to let this new relationship get its legs under it and move forward. Does that? Sure. Now, now, what if we can't go to Holy Communion? If that's if we're sick or there's some kind of danger in the community and Mass has been dispensed and we don't think we can safely go mm-hmm. to Holy Mass and receive Communion, can we still celebrate our presence and our relationship with the Lord in a special way that marks Sunday if we don't have access to Holy Communion? Well, David, you know, one thing that people forget is that there's so much of the life of our church that flows forth from the Eucharist. Like even the liturgy of the hours. Yes. Like every hour of the day flows forth from the Eucharistic celebration. Um, and even if we didn't actually go to the Eucharistic celebration that day, we still are participating in it. And there's a level of solidarity. That's the word I like to use about the Sunday. Mm-hmm. So as Americans, we're very focused on ourselves. You know, me, myself, and I, what it is that I have experienced today. Mm -hmm. But as a Catholic, you have to understand that I may not have been able to go to Mass today, but the Mass was offered for me today. Yes. And I, through my keeping this day holy, even if I'm not able to go to Mass, if I treat this day differently and set it apart and don't use it like I'd use every other day of the week, then I'm in solidarity with every other Catholic in the world who understands that this is the day sacred to the Lord. So this solidarity is an extremely important concept for us that I may not have been able to get to Mass, but somebody in this world went to Mass today. Yes. And that same prayer that Jesus, uh, you know, that, that we celebrate there with Jesus' presence was made for me, just like it is any day, but on Sunday in particular. You know, when you were talking, it reminded me that the commandment of the Lord is that we remember the Sabbath day, and the element of memory has always been part of the celebration, especially for the Hebrews, to remember God's mighty deeds in the past. You recalled another aspect just now of memory, which is more present-focused. It's the conscious present memory of the people of God united throughout the world everywhere today. Mm-hmm. You know, I often tell people if they say, well, I don't like this homily or I don't like that parish, and I'll say that to them, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't become a Catholic because of that priest or that parish. I wanted to be united to all the faithful, not only today, but for the last 2,000 years. I get to go to Mass with St. Augustine every week, right? He's mm-hmm. with me all the time. And so there is that aspect, all right, of being present to the people of God. What about being present to uh, maybe the people of God in my own family life, the domestic church. Yeah, I was going to say there's the, this whole concept of the domestic church. And, of course, um, again, back to relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Certainly our children and those around us learn from the things that we do and, and say in our homes and everything. You know, And so when we are not able to go to Mass, but in our own home we're able to... Uh, create this space mm-hmm. and uh, and use this time for what God designed it for. Um, this is a sanctifying thing, you know, to invite Him into our homes. You know, so many times in the gospel we see how Jesus, His great desire is to go into people's houses. You know, like He went into the house of 
Simon Peter's Simon Peter's house to heal his mother-in-law. We mm-hmm. had that in the gospel mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. just uh, this past weekend. So his healing will is there. And he wanted to go in that house, and then he wanted to go all through Galilee and go into all the synagogues and be where people were. Mm. So the same is true. You know, we call him into our home. And when we pray, and, and he comes. You know, it, it occurred to me while you were speaking of that, that we have people's homes we can visit, but in our own diocese of Birmingham, we have places that would conceivably be pilgrimage sites. We've got uh, uh, religious congregations. We have shrines. Uh, we have cemeteries, some that have dedicated Catholic sections. We've got columbaria. There are a lot of spaces uh, where we can connect to the sacred uh, Catholics present and past and the relics of the saints um, and uh, maybe even if we don't enter into the, the church building or the liturgy, we can still mm. we can still do those things. You know, there was, from the time of the Spanish flu, was 1918 or whatever, in the Archdiocese of Mobile, they have a lot of beautiful pictures of these churches in Mobile at that time that are still there, of course, and, and all the windows are open and the people are standing outside the church just like social distance, just like this six feet of space between you and me. Uh-huh. And they're all kneeling around the church. The priest is in there by himself saying the Mass. But they came and stood in the yard. And I'm also reminded, too, of theirs that um, kind of uh, little moment, uh, this famous Walter Chiswick, mm-hmm. you know, the Jesuit priest that was in, in Russia and Siberia for so long imprisoned. And, and you know, people in communism were, um, you know, really not able to go to church and things like this. But in their own ways, they kept this day holy under oppression. I have a very good friend who is a Benedictine monk, and he was raised in Cuba. And he said the Cuban government, when he was a child, created what they called Red Sundays. Hmm. And the whole purpose was to call the people out to do volunteer work, mm-hmm. volunteer work, mm-hmm. like cleaning the street, uh, painting, signs, all kinds of stuff, and they kept people busy all day on Sundays so that they would not go to Mass or even keep the feast in their house. They had to call the people out of their house to work in the street in order to chip away at people's practice of the Sunday. You know, we go out happily and go shopping and do whatever we want to do. So we're doing exactly what the communists wanted to accomplish with their Red Sunday. We do it voluntarily. So, so uh, it's not enough just not to go into the office, right? And, uh, you know, we've been reading Pope John Paul II's apostolic letter on Sunday, Dies Domine, and he talks about the rest of Sunday is not just inactivity. You know, God's always active. He's always sustaining everything. And I, I like the way the Pope says that for, for God's rest, is really more of a contemplative appreciation mm-hmm. of the, the beauty that he's made. And distraction is the opposite of contemplation. Now, you know, Pope John Paul II was a big outdoorsman, and he loved to go snow skiing. And so he, mm-hmm. he had to put that in the, in the apostolic yeah. letter, <laughs> talked about the value of nature. What do you think about time with nature as an expression of, uh, of this Sabbath rest in God. Well, you know, the nature teaches us about the Creator. So it's going to have that characteristic with it always. By, by spending our time in nature, we, we start to have more wonder at this world that He has given us. 
There's one little caveat, though. Okay. I had a cross-the-street neighbor one time, and, and she uh, didn't go to... She was a Christian, and she was a dedicated Christian, but she had long left behind... She was a Protestant Christian, but she had long left behind going to church on Sunday, and I asked her about it one time. Hmm. I said, you know, you, you're a big Christian, but you don't go to church on Sunday. And she said, well, I feel like that I can sit in my yard in nature and be as close to God as I can in the church. Mm. And I didn't, you know, didn't say anything. It wasn't my place to answer her back or anything like sure. that. But I remember thinking at that time, well, except for the fact that he wants you, at the end of the day, to not just be in communion with him. He wants that communion to include everyone else that's a member of his body. Yes. This is the goal of communion. That's right. And whereas I do think that we can adore God and enjoy splendor, the splendor of nature and things like that, that we do have to be aware that the whole purpose of this whole creation is for, is for communion. That's right. It's for koinonia. That's right. And, and there is that tendency, I think, among people to, um, to stop at a certain moment with the adoration of God in nature and then there's an even worse tendency that I remember hearing a couple of years ago when we had a big solar eclipse. As the eclipse was being recorded and things on television, all the people on the TV were saying, oh, isn't this uh, an example of the glory of science? And, and I thought, what a funny word to substitute for God. Hmm. You know? Yes. We certainly understand things through science. But it's a tendency, I think, to reduce what he, what the, the, the Creator has given us to just the concept of science. And that takes away a lot of the mystery of our contemplation. You know, mm-hmm. while you were talking, I remembered a, a, something I learned from the Church Fathers uh, uh, that struck me before I became a Catholic, you know, when I became a Catholic. And that is that the creation is for the sake of Christ. You know, as a profound theological truth, God made the world to redeem it in Jesus. And he made it through the Word. From Christ and for Christ. And exactly. And so, and so when we go out into the creation, we are seeing the manifestation of the Word. He That's right. He spoke and it came into being. That's right. And the fullness of his Word is his person of his, of his Son. So. so why don't we sum up with a few... Uh, practical steps that people can take to um, uh, to remember the Lord's Day, to keep it holy, whether or not they're able to go to Mass. I love what you do with the Angelus. We've talked about Vespers. We've talked about the domestic church. Uh, nature properly understood in relationship to Christian redemption and the people of God. What else would you like to say about ways that people can remember the Sabbath day from morning till night, not just during the liturgy, even though that's paramount? Morning till night. Well, my answers are very simple and very practical. Fantastic. And folk at home, you may not like this, but <laughs> I have to speak what's in my heart. You can't lie in the bed all day on Sunday. That's right. Sunday is not the weekend. Thank you. Um, we have You have all the fun you want to have. Well, not all the fun. You have to always <laughs> never do anything to offend God. <laughs> but you go out on Friday night and you have fun with your friends. You run around on Saturday and have fun with your friends and you shop and you do whatever. But when Sunday comes, you cannot lie up in the bed 
all day and sleep all your Sunday away because it's it's a it, God is not pleased when you wake up afternoon on right, Sunday. Right. Right. So you have to get up and you have to get yourself together because the act of getting your act together, getting yourself together on Sunday morning, means that you remember Him. That's right. Right. And then you have to have a discipline. And then you offer your prayers. Read the scriptures for that Sunday. Mm. And let them speak to you. And then if you're in your family, if you're with other people, let everyone speak their peace about what they think and feel 